0: Man, good morning good morning welcome to grace you guys will stand up let's sing together and I just encourage you uh, we're, we're singing the song meet with me and some of these songs that we sing um, many times and kind of get familiar with sometimes we we tend to um, stop paying attention to the words and um, what the chorus of this song says uh, as I wait you make me strong and uh, that even though that seems like a simple truth that we can sing really quickly and pass on by Um, That is a a deep truth that we need to wait on God and, and trust in Him for His strength. So let's sing this out as a church together.
1: bow your heads in prayer. Father God, we come to you as a people that need your rescue. Father, we come as a confessing people, confessing that we are indeed broken, that we are empty, that we cannot save ourselves, but we need you to save us and we wait on you for our salvation for the future when all things will be made right. Father, I pray that we would live lives that believe it, that we would live differently now because we know that our future is secure in you, that you would transform us because we are now no longer afraid of death, but we know that we have victory in Christ, we have salvation, we have resurrection. We look forward to a future that is secure. Lord, transform us as we continue to sing, as we continue to praise you and thank you for the forgiveness that we have for our sin and for the resurrection that we have that's secured in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Just sing this song together. That we find our hope in the cross alone. And not in anything else. Let's sing these words together. we pray that you will give us the strength, Lord, to lay everything we have at your feet, God, and to recognize that it was given to us by you. Lord, we thank you for being a God of love that flows from power, God, that you have the strength to overcome sin and death in our lives, God, that you offer us your strength. Lord, help us to trust you for everything. Help us to hear from your word and, and to apply it to our lives. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
1: <clears throat> We're doing something a little unusual today. Actually, a lot unusual. Um, we are speaking again today, our second week on parenting and talking about the idea of transmitting this love that, that God has given to us, transmitting that on to the next generation. Just a couple of weeks ago, Kristen Brooke wrote a new song like crank out a lot of songs, actually. It's pretty good. But I uh, wrote a new song, and I just felt like this really captured well that tension that we live with as parents. I think that you'll understand that as a parent, there's grace and love that you receive from having kids. Um, also, sometimes those days are hard. Sometimes it's a struggle. It's difficult. Um, and there's this tension that we go to of receiving love and needing love and needing more love from God to give back to those kids, and so this song I think speaks to that well, and I just appreciate you guys being willing to, to share it with us, so I want you to listen.
0: We say we like this song because our little toddler goes like this. So you can do that if you want to, too, that's Okay. <laughs>
2: This morning, thinking today might be a very fun day. Woke up this morning.
0: This morning next to two I was
2: going brighter Arms going wider Might be a little more to do Smiles make us fly.
1: I love the understatement, having a second baby, there might be a little more to do. But really, where that really ties in is just that prayer at the end. God, give me more love to give. Help me to love a little bit more. And that's the the calling, that's the mantle that we've been given as parents. Uh, If you want to open up your Bibles today, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want to follow along and you don't have a Bible, there's some under the chairs, and you could grab one of those, and we're on page 151 in those Bibles. Uh, But it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is a classic passage on educating, on leading, on loving your children. And this call that we have is to take this love that God has given us and to pass that on to the next generation. And I want to encourage you guys that this has great meaning for you, even if you don't have kids. God calls us to be uncles and aunts in the body of Christ. God calls us to come alongside our brothers and sisters and help them in this process. And so we all have this call in our lives as God's people to transmit love onto the next generation. We call the sermon today, Love is a Movement. This is a movement and we cannot allow it to die with our generation. And there was a crossroads for Israel here in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy literally in Greek means the second giving of the law. And what happened is the law was given in exodus to God's people that he had saved and brought out of slavery. So he saves them. He does these miraculous things. He brings them out of slavery. All these miracles happen. And then the people still don't trust him. Does that sound familiar? Ever happened to you? Um, And and it was so extreme that God said, okay, well then you're going to die wandering in the desert and I'm going to give the promised land to the next generation. So you have a rebellious generation and then you have the next generation that is given the law Again that is reminded of who God is, that God is a God that loves us. God is a saving God, the God that brought them out of slavery, just like he brings us out of our slavery to sin and our slavery to death. We don't have to be afraid of that any longer. And so we are called on to trust God, therefore, to, to love him with everything we have and then to pass that on to the next generation. Before we read the passage I want to let you know, too, that this is a classic passage that's used to talk about education and how you teach your kids. And what I want to really spend the bulk of the sermon today doing is helping us to understand that it is our responsibility as parents to teach our kids. Um, now there are different ways that you can educate your kids about math and science and history, right? Um, and what I want you to understand is, is that at our church, we, we have a lot of freedom. We, we don't say, you have to educate your kids this way, there are some churches that would say. You've got to do it this way or you've got to do it that way or you know really good christians do this form of education and what i want you to know is as your pastor our family has practiced uh, the three different kinds of education that most people practice and what i want to do instead of trumpeting uh, the virtues of one of those is i want to just share real quickly uh, the weaknesses of every way that you could educate your kids okay i want to just share the weaknesses of them so that you can navigate with god's help how to Transmit God's love to your kids and walk beside them in whatever education system you choose. Does that make sense? So just real quickly, I want to talk about that real quickly. There, there are three major ways that people educate their kids today, in our culture anyway. One would just be public schooling. That's the normal standard, right? We have uh, a free public education system and historically that's one of the things that's helped to make our country great. Um, educating the, the population. But there are dangers associated with, with that system. Uh, There's also homeschooling, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this is where you can educate your own kids at home. Again, there's a lot of advantages, but there's also dangers. And then the third system is private Christian education. Again, there are advantages, but there are also dangers. Now, I think uh, if any of you are interested in any one of those systems, you already know the advantages of those systems. So I just want to, again, I just want to speak real briefly to the dangers. Um, First of all, just talking about public education. Um, In public education, what we have now in in our culture in this time in history is a system that, that does not affirm the teaching of the Bible. So as your kids are learning history and math and science, they're learning it divorced from the reality of a loving Creator God. And so there's an inherent danger in that. And you as parents need to be equipped to know that you are in charge to obey Deuteronomy 6 and pass on truth to your kids. So if your kids are in that education system, You need to be walking beside them through that system. You need to be equipping them along the way. You need to be teaching them. You need to be helping them understand what that looks like and how to remain faithful to God in that uh, area, in that system. Uh, The other system is is, uh, private Christian education. Uh, Real briefly, private Christian education may may be great to have a system that on paper agrees with what you believe in your faith. But again, what can happen is you can think, they're all taken care of because these people believe like I do, and then you just you just kind of abdicate your responsibility to teach your kids, and you just assume that the private school is taking care of it. Well, sometimes institutions don't always live up to what they say on paper. And, and one thing I've said a lot of times: this is the problem with churches as well as schools, is that it's hard for institutions to remain faithful to the gospel. You need people. You need relationships. So don't just depend on an institution. Be faithful to the gospel but you need to communicate the gospel to your own children you need to make sure they understand that don't just give that away to someone else and then the final one is homeschooling there's a lot of advantage of homeschooling you you are there you're communicating the truth to your kids and you're helping them go deep in their education uh, but one of the weaknesses is what you might refer to as inbreeding right i don't know if you know what i mean by that but 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 they may get all the strengths of a personal intimate communication of the faith and, and great tutoring and and skills and, and knowledge and education but they're also getting all of your weaknesses full strength too right and so it's good to defray that by, by bringing other influences in as well so no matter what education system you pick for your kids you need to make sure that you're walking alongside them and you are inputting god's word into their life because bottom line you are in charge no matter what system you use you are in charge to navigate those waters with them to understand the difficulties to know the pros and to know the cons and to make sure that you're educating them well, to make sure that you're teaching them who God is and how to love Him and and enjoy Him forever. Well, uh, in Deuteronomy 6, we're going to read through verses 4 through 9, and we're going to understand God's instructions again to us as His people how to transmit uh, the love of God to the next generation, how to not let it die with us, how to not just let it stop here. It says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. That first, verse, verse 5, that is what Jesus quoted as the first and greatest commandment. Verse 6 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let me pray and ask God to teach us how to do this. Father, in James 1.5, it says, If any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask you, and you will give it generously. So God, we come this morning trusting that you indeed are a generous God, that you're not holding out on us, but that you love us, that you have our best in mind, and that you desire to teach us us to teach our own children. Father, I pray that this church would raise up a generation of kids that know you and love you and walk with you. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, have any of you seen the movie or maybe read the book, The City of Ember, have you ever heard of that? Anybody? Raise your hands. No one. Okay, I'll tell you the story, and if I mess it up, it won't be too bad. Sorry, those two. All right. Feeling like getting overlooked. Okay, there's two of you. I acknowledge you. Um, in The City of Ember, it's kind of an interesting It's kind of like a sci-fi type story and basically the idea is there's some sort of natural disaster and this whole city of people have to move underground and set up a a whole new city underground and they have to learn a new way of living underground safe from the horrible disasters that are that are happening way up above ground Uh, my kids read the book I watched the movie uh, and it's an interesting story Uh, and so in this story what happens is apparently the disaster is so great um, that they want to really make sure people feel uh, secure and safe underneath the ground and, and they don't want people going back above ground. So, so when the people build this community, they don't even know how to get back to the surface. There are this, this set of se- secret instructions that are given to the mayor and there's a certain time period, like 100 years or 200 years or something later, when everything will run out and they need to go back to the surface and they have figured it out, scientists have figured it out it'll be safe by then or something. And so they give these instructions to the mayor, and then that mayor is supposed to pass it on to the next mayor. And they're supposed to guard the instructions of how to, how to get back to their, their real home, their real city uh, up above. But for now, they're in this little safety city underneath the ground. And what happens is those instructions get forgotten. Those instructions are forgotten. What happens is it kind of gets stuck in the back of one of the mayor's closets, and then that mayor dies, and you know, some aunt gets it, and she puts it in the bottom of her closet. And then it gets passed on, and some other kid finds the box, and it pops open, you know it's got this lock on it. Somehow it comes open, and then some kid chews up the instructions, so they only got half of them left now. Um, and so the, the instructions begin to get lost. But what happens is their city begins to fall apart. And people are just kind of stuck in the here and now, and they, they want to put all their faith in their current city. Because that's all they've ever known. And they think this is where we're safe. We have to believe in this city. We can't dream about some other way of living. We can't dream of some other life, but we have to stay here. And you find people in the story that begin to find the instructions, begin to put it together after it's been chewed up, and begin to realize that there is a way out. That there are these secret escape routes that are built into the city. So even though... Everything is falling apart in that city. The city's life cycle is beginning to die off. They're losing power. The plumbing's not working anymore. It's all falling apart. Uh, most of the people don't want to leave. They want to stay there. They basically want to just die with the city. But there, there are instructions. There, there is a way out. And I think it's in the same way that, that often in our life, we don't pass on the instructions to the next generation. You see, we don't pass on to the next generation that there is a better place. There is a true city waiting for us. We, we let that die with us and we spend all our time focused on where we live now. The, the day-to-day life that we live and we, we can begin to pass that on as, as the only hope that our kids may have. We can begin to pass on to our kids that where we live now is all there is. Don't, don't hope in something else, but, but just make this work. And we begin to pass on to our kids uh, the wrong God. We begin to communicate to them. Uh, the wrong reality is my battery dying can y'all hear me you're good okay it just started to sound different to me so um, and so these instructions that we get here in Deuteronomy 6 this this explains to us how to pass it on how to make sure that it doesn't just die in our generation but to communicate to the next generation the love of God and the first thing that we see is first of all we have to love God ourselves it, it starts with us we have to have to actually love God and in verse 4 five and six that It reiterates that. I'll read it again. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There's debate among scholars, both Jewish scholars and Christian scholars, as to what this first line means. It's one of the most famous lines in the Bible where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is one of the most famous lines in, in uh, for Jews. It's part of their liturgy. It's called the Great Shema, because the Hebrew word Shema means here. So this is like the great here, the great pay attention. Okay, this is the thing they're supposed to listen to. This is what they're supposed to obey and hear and heed for themselves. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. People debate the details of that because some people think it means simply that that He's just one God. Others think it means really that. That God alone is God. And, and no matter what we see here, I think it directs us to, to be faithful to him. Whether he is one or he's the only God that we can count on. It directs us to have faithful hearts that don't turn to other gods. And that really makes sense in context when you see that that's the struggle that Israel had again and again. Was turning to other gods. Is, is this God? No. The Lord alone is is God. This is his special covenant name here. This is the personal name, Yahweh or Jehovah. Yahweh is God. Yahweh is one. Only Yahweh is truly God. He's the only one that you can really count on. And we need to be careful about that, that we don't we don't count on or rely on some other Savior. I wanted to make a quick aside just about the Trinity, because some people uh, use this verse to, to push the idea that then there's no way that that such a thing as the Trinity can exist. And I want to say that the word Trinity is not in the scriptures uh, itself, but the ideas are clearly there. And, and I can stand up here and just kind of tell you what the Trinity means and say, you just better believe it because I tell you. But but what I'd really like is for you to read the Bible for yourself and, and to own that for yourself, that, that God does exist as one God in three persons, as God the Father, as God the Son, as God the Holy Spirit. To, to read the New Testament, to understand that Jesus uh, speaks from the Old Testament and and claims the things that can be claimed by Yahweh alone, by this personal name, this, this covenant God of the Old Testament. Jesus speaks as Yahweh. A good, a good reference would be Romans ten thirteen, where Paul attributes, again, the words of Yahweh, the salvation found in Yahweh, he attributes that to Jesus himself. There's other things that you can see in the Gospels where you see Jesus accepting worship. No, other, no good teacher would accept worship as God unless he were God. And so what we see in Jesus is, is the God who is both fully man, but also fully God. And it's a mystery, but I would encourage you, as I said, to, to begin to own that for yourself. To begin to study the scriptures and, and understand what that means for yourself. But the most basic thing we have here is that we would be faithful to God ourselves. That we would love God. That we would understand that, that he is the God that loves us and he's the only one worthy of our praise, worthy of our devotion. He's the only one that we should love with, with all our strength. He's the only one that we should love with all our all our might, all our soul, all our mind. He he is the one that we should be faithful to. He alone is God. I found a picture here of some ancient idols. And we said last week, we referenced this a lot, there's this famous quote by Luther, where Luther said that we don't break uh, the rest of the commandments without first breaking the first commandment. And the idea there in the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And So the way that we break the other commandments is we start to set up false gods. We start to think that something else can save us. And if you're thinking about having false gods and what that looks like, you may just have this in mind, right? When we read the Old Testament, we read about idols. You may kind of give yourself a pass and think, I don't bow down to any statues on my mantle, right? Any of you? Well, don't raise your hand if you do, but a lot of you you think that, right? I don't have a problem with idolatry because I'm not bowing down to any statues. I want to challenge you on that notion. Because as I said, Luther, Luther would challenge you. He'd say that anytime you break a commandment, you're bowing down to some other God. You're seeing something else as your security. You're seeing something else as ultimate. Something else as your, your savior. As the thing that can take care of you. And then that leads you to lie, cheat, or steal to get that thing. So that it can give you security and salvation. And I would even go so far as to say that ancient peoples didn't always see the little statues as as gods themselves. Oftentimes they did, but sometimes, just like modern people, it would just be a symbol of something that they thought was important. Any of you have symbols of anything important in your home? And really the thing that it represents is far more important than the symbol itself. And modern people can be guilty of worshipping those kinds of idols. We can be guilty of worshipping a success in our job. We can be guilty of worshiping power. A, a book that I'd like to recommend here is Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. This is a book that just came out. You can't take this copy. I borrowed this from Stephen, but you can come look at it if you want to. I've got some other parenting books and some other things up here on, on our relationship with God as well that you can look at after the, the service, but that's a great book that kind of helps walk you through that and helps you to understand what are, what are the gods that are competing for my allegiance. Am I worshiping God alone? Am I loving Him alone? Or am I loving other things? Am I lifting other things up as ultimate in my life? And I would challenge you that a good clue for you is if you begin to sacrifice your kids on the altar of that thing. If you're willing to give your kids for success in your job, then maybe you're worshiping success in your job. If you're willing to give your kids over to... Uh, your own personal peace and affluence. If you're willing to give up your kids and sacrifice them, and of course we don't mean literally sacrificing them, right? But, but we, get, we begin to hurt them in pursuit of this other thing that we think is greater, that we think is going to save us, that we think is going to give us security. And as we set our kids aside for those things, our kids begin to see what our real God is. And we're teaching them as we do that. So, so you have to tear down those idols and you have to love God himself. See him as your only hope. And as you genuinely begin to love God, that will begin to transform your family. That will begin to renew your family from the inside out. The next thing that he says is that we should share this love of God with our kids. We should actually share it. We should see ourselves as as owning this responsibility. We've been deputized, uh, we've been called, you've been commissioned as parents. I said last week that's a difficulty that a lot of parents have. in, in our generation, we kind of have this hyper egalitarian view that that there should be no one taking authority over others. And I, I joked I don't think that's too much of a problem with army people, but the rest of our culture is really struggling with that. This this kind of new view that we're all the same and just kind of let your kids do what they want, and it's, you know you don't want to you know go in there and mess around with their life. But but God actually calls you to direct them. God actually calls you to form and shape and lead. Your kids, And here he says that we are to share the love of God with that next generation. In verse 7 he says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So I've got a a tough quiz for you. When are we supposed to teach the love of God to our children? All the time. Very good. You guys passed too. The first service got it as well. Uh, All the time. There's repetition here. He's trying to teach us something. When are we to teach the love of God? When you sit in your house. Also, when you walk by the way. When you're driving down the highway. When you lie down. When you rise up. All the time we're going to be talking of this. Sharing this reality of the love of God and who he is. And that he is the one that we're hoping in. That he is God. Yahweh alone is God. The name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. He alone can save us. He's the one that we hope in. It's it's organic. It's all of life. It should just be bleeding out of us, right? If that's really the number one thing in our life, it should be coming out of us all the time. It should be our number one subject of conversation. And I want to challenge you, and I'm challenging you with this illustration because I feel incredibly convicted by this myself. What what would be the number one image of your kids? Uh, I'm sorry, the number one image your kids have of you? What would be the number one image that your kids have of you? When they remember you 30 years from now, what are they going to remember? Are they going to remember your your love for God? Or This is, this is the picture I've had some people talk about from the previous generation because nobody does this anymore. Um, those are newspapers. And for you younger people, these are these paper things that people would print with news and <laughs> things that were going on in the community. And back in the old days, people would read them every day. And some dads... Some dads would just have them in front of their face all the time, and uh, some of you maybe have an image of your dad like that. Um, what, what kind of image do you have of your parents? What are they thinking about all the time? What are they obsessing with all the time? What is their number one interest? What is driving them? I think today uh, it may be this. This is one I feel guilty of, although I've got like a ten-year-old phone. It's not a BlackBerry, but you know, what, or a smartphone, whatever that is. Um, it, are you always looking at the phone? Are you always checking the text messages? Are you always checking Facebook? Are you, you know, Is your face always stuck to the screen? Are you paying attention to your kids? And are you teaching them all the time, diligently, who God is? Leading them to love Him more than anything, with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Are you leading them that way? Or are you preoccupied with something else that you think is more important? It says here in Deuteronomy that we need to be sharing the love of God at all times. When we get up, when we go down when we're out at the store, when we're at home in the living room. The, the TV doesn't need to be teaching your kids. The computer doesn't need to be teaching your kids. Um, you need to be teaching your kids. You need to be passing on who God is and helping them understand uh, who He is in everything that you do. I well, we encourage you to take advantage of these, these teachable moments. Uh, these teachable moments when your kids ask questions, when they want to know about things, they want to know what you feel, they want to know... What you think. And I want to really encourage you, again, to continue to grow in your faith yourself. Don't wait until you're ready, but talk about it all the time. So, so point, one, point one was that you have to love God yourself, right? And, and if you're new and if you have a new relationship with God, you may feel intimidated. Like, I don't really have good answers for my kids. And I would just encourage you to just give them the answers you've got, be honest with them. One piece that's really important in in transmitting the faith to your kids is that you would honestly share that that real relationship with God that you have. That that you're a sinner that needs a savior. A component that a lot of parents leave out is that they would actually confess their sin to their kids. I think that's huge. Your kids have to know that you are a sinner that needs a savior. Now that doesn't mean a laundry list, right? I mean, you don't need to tell them everything you did when you were 16. But they need to know you made mistakes. And they need to know, even more importantly, now that you make mistakes. When you blow it with them, you have to come back and say, you know what, it it was Daddy's job to discipline you, but it wasn't Daddy's job to scream at you. I should have kept my cool, and that was wrong. You you need to be able to apologize to your own kids. You need to be able to confess your own sin. You need to say, you know, Daddy needs Jesus too, just like you do. Don't say Mommy needs Jesus. Just say, you know, take it on yourself. (laughs) Own it for yourself. Be authentic. But, but both parents, being willing to confess your own sin, confess your own weakness. And as you do that, you'll be able to lead your kids to a real relationship with God. They'll be able to see that, oh, they need a Savior as well. They won't get this false construct that, that Mommy and Daddy have it all together, and I just need to do better. Right? But you're shaping their heart to see that they have a need of the Savior themselves. As he teach them at all times i i challenged uh, the next the next thing we're going to talk about is is teaching the bible to our kids and i challenged the last service you can ask my own kids um i'm not the world's most fascinating bible teacher with my kids right don't don't wait until you're you're ready just because i'm a a professional bible teacher that doesn't mean it's easy for me to to, to talk to my kids all the time i just i just keep trying Okay? I keep working at it. I, again, when we get up, when we go to bed, when we lie down, when we walk, we try to interject that when we can all the time. The last point that I want to talk about is reinforcing the love of God. Stuck there. I want to talk about reinforcing the love of God. Deuteronomy 6.8 says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, so previously he was saying, talk about it all the time. So that's kind of the more organic, informal, you're just talking about who God is in every situation of life, right? Directing their hearts back to him. But here he's, he's giving you some kind of formal, cultural forms saying, do it this way, record it, write it down, inscribe it on your house, write it here, write it there, make sure you're passing it on in formal ways as well, reinforcing these truths, um, they they would have these little leather bands where they would uh, tie them on their arms and tie them on their heads. And what they would do is they were like tiny little like Barbie purses about this big. And what they would do is they'd roll up Scripture and they would put them in those little leather pouches and then they'd strap it on their heads or strap it on their arms so that they had God's Word with them all the time. Now you need to be careful when it comes to, to formal ways of communicating the Gospel. This goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's, it's difficult for institutions to remain faithful to the gospel, because sometimes what happens is the institution whose job it is to communicate the gospel, the institution becomes more important than the gospel itself. And Jesus criticized the Pharisees for obeying this scripture so scrupulously. What happened? The Pharisees were these Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus. They were the expert Bible teachers at the time. They were the guys that knew the Bible better than anybody and obeyed it, they thought, better than anybody. And Jesus said, You make a big deal out of your leather straps with, with scripture in it. And you're trying to impress people with your leather straps, you're trying to impress people with your outward forms, but you're not really communicating the truths that are found on those scriptures. And so we need to be careful, whatever form we use to communicate the gospel, that we would continue to make the gospel the point. The truth of who God is, that God is a God that loves us, that He's a holy God and we've we've rebelled against him, that he's made a sacrifice to save us, that he's also a saving God that loves us and redeems us and calls us back to Himself, and and makes us His sons and daughters so that we can live lives that make a difference and impact in our community. We need to understand that truth more than be devoted to a certain way of communicating, right? There's a lot of great ways to communicate it. When I think of formal ways to communicate it, one that the church has been faithfully doing for many years is, is this one, I don't know if you can see that picture very well. Anybody familiar with the flannel graph? Anybody ever, anybody grow up in church? The flannel graph, a great way to communicate the gospel to children. Now, basically what you have is you have little paper cutouts with flannel stuck on the back of them, and then you can stick them on a flannel board, and you can use it to tell kids Bible stories. Now, yeah, isn't that cool? Never heard of (laughs) it. Now, now this isn't the only way, though, right? See, see what can happen is we can start to think, hey, that's what I did in Sunday school, so that's the only way that I could then communicate the gospel to my kids. What I really want to do is I want to encourage you to be creative in your own home. Again, find as many ways... As possible to communicate God's word to your children. This is great. Videos are great. I know there's a lot of good Bible videos out there. There's good visual ways to represent it. But make sure you're communicating the truth of Scripture itself. Again, don't let the form overshadow the truth. The truth has to remain central. You want to com- communicate the truth, communicate who God is, faithfully communicate what He's done for us, the saving God that, that loves us. Uh, I would say uh, this is most important need to actually read the Bible to your kids too. Use creative methods, use flannel graphs, use videos, use all these different things, but but use the Bible as well. Just read the Bible to your kids. Again, ask my kids if I'm a fantastic Bible teacher. I think they would say, uh, no, not really. About half the time it's really boring. You know? <laughs> but we just, we just try to keep pumping it into them. We try to just help shape their lives with the truth. I want to recommend some Bible story books to you real quickly that that we've used over the years and maybe you could tell me about some others that you've used as well this is kind of an old school one here called the child's story bible by Catherine boss this one's nice because what it does is it's mostly scripture she has a little bit of commentary but it's mostly scripture and it's just taking the bible and putting it in story form Uh, so there's not a lot of the teaching sections but mostly the stories of the bible uh, and little kids like stories you know they may not understand what they all mean just like the disciples didn't understand anything Jesus said for three years. <laughs> Later, the Holy Spirit came and, and used that information that they've been given. I think it's the same thing in our life. You just teach the kids the stories, especially when they're younger. I mean, as you understand uh, how kids develop, they just soak stuff in when they're younger. They can just memorize stories, they can just memorize facts. So read them the Bible and these stories, even if you don't understand it. You know, even if you feel intimidated and you're like, I don't know how to answer their questions, that's fine. Just tell them that. You know, you're reading one of these crazy stories in the Old Testament, and you're like, why did that happen? I don't know. We're just, we're just reading it, okay? <laughs> so I would, I would encourage you to read that together. Another one, th- this one's really cool, because this one, you could learn a lot from this one, especially if you're new in your faith. This is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a little simpler. It's also a story form, but what it does on purpose is traces the theme of redemption through the whole Bible. So it helps you connect the dots. This is the kind of one where you're going to read it to your kids, and about halfway through, you're like, "Wow, now I understand the Old Testament. I've never, I've never understood it before." So I would really recommend this one as well. And you know, sometimes there's goofy language, or you don't like the the uh, illustrations, or whatever. But but these are just again different forms you can learn from. I'm not saying this is the one. This is the one we approve. You all have to read this one. But but these are just things to help you. Another one that we used was the ABC Bible Verse Book. Uh, The ABC Bible verse book basically has a verse for you to memorize with your kids for every letter of the alphabet. And what's cool is it has a little short story uh, to go with each verse. And so it follows along the little brother and sister who are learning these same verses. And then they're being tempted. And the Holy Spirit calls to mind the verses that they're learning. And it it helps them apply the scripture in their life. Um, You know, our family hasn't turned out exactly like the stories in here. But I think it's also helpful helpful tool to use that you would start to help the kids understand how to apply scripture and how to use it for themselves. Another one I would recommend, again, there's a lot of other things that you can look at there. One of the things that I really want to recommend also is just um, the Bible on audio, like CDs or MP3s, uh, or if you're my age or older, tapes, set tapes. Um, just communicating the Bible in an a oral form so the kids can hear it. Um your voice eventually will run out, but you can, you know, when they're going to bed, you can pump Genesis into them and Exodus. Some of those foundational books. I really recommend those again to your kids. Your younger children need to know the stories. They need to know the stories of the Bible and they need to know Genesis. They need to know Exodus. You need to pass that on to them and reinforce these truths. They need to know the gospels, the stories of Jesus from the Gospels. They need to know the Sermon on the Mount. And they need to hear these these key foundational pieces again and again so that you can start to shape them uh, with these things um, and again i mean the other thing you can do is get leather straps write the word on it and tie it to your arm tie it to your head um, that might seem a little more culturally strange that's that's what the jews did you can also write it around your house you know we, they have those vinyl things where you can get letters and like put them on your wall we got one of those we can have a bible verse and it sticks on the wall um, you, know, you can frame things there, there's all kinds of ways we you can bring scripture into your home so that it's reinforcing what you're teaching them in just everyday life as you're discussing things um, I encourage you to do that take advantage also just of the formal programs we have here Sunday School um, we don't have an Awana program here but there's Awana at several churches in town I don't know if you know Awana but that's a program where, where the kids learn to memorize scripture again it's just a great way for the learn, them to learn scripture together and I encourage you, again, read the Bible at bedtime or at breakfast or at dinner, or find carve out a spot where you can read the Scriptures together as a family. As we conclude, um, I want to take us to, to Matthew 7. i uh, I'll just, It's basically just a couple of verses, so I can read it to you. You don't necessarily have to flip there. But in Matthew 7, Jesus finishes up the Sermon on the Mount, kind of his, uh, his great sermon where he kind of shows that he's like the new Moses. He's the new lawgiver that... That he has authority and he's speaking for God. And he finishes up this whole section in Matthew 7.24. He says, Everyone man who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall. As I said, the the city of Ember gives you a picture of of living our lives stuck in the city that we know. And I want to challenge you as parents, your job is to live in the city, but to live in this city, to live in this time, and to live in this place as, as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, as one that is passing through, communicating this idea that we see in in Hebrews 11, that we have a a real home in heaven. That, That we have a God that will make all things right. And he's the one that we trust in. And that begins to shape the way that we live here and now so that we are passing on this love that we have for God to the next generation. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your love for us. You are so good to us. We thank you that you've rescued us out of slavery, sin, death. That we can live life with confidence, no longer afraid. I pray that you would transform us by this truth and allow us with confidence to share that with our kids. Even when we don't have all the answers figured out, Lord, help us to share what we know, to be faithful, to grow in it ourselves, to love you with everything we've got. pray in Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed.